Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly Fully Vaccinated Johnson in D.C. Today, I'm going to be talking with Tara Dublin. She's a voiceover actress. She's also a writer. She writes for The Hill Reporter. She's got her own page on Medium. She's kind of like a Twitter badass, and she's so much fun. So I really look forward to talking to her. I always try to keep these intros short. I do have a tier on Patreon that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro, so stay tuned for that. But the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep this show going, and thank you to everyone who supports the show. I'm so grateful. And if you do enjoy today's show, take a look at the About page. Check out some of my past guests. You'll see that most of the time I have conversations about politics, although occasionally I do interview actors about their craft because I used to be one. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. I do two free shows a week, every Monday and Wednesday, and then they are followed by patrons-only shows called What's Up with me, Kimberly Johnson. Talk about different things. Some I call it my online diary. I just talk about whatever's on my mind that day. And then once a month, at least I do a patrons-only show with a guest. Now, if you sign up for the everything tier, you get everything I just mentioned. Plus, you get the ad-free and much shorter intro show. Again, that's at patreon.com slash startmeup. You can also make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I always include my email, and you can use that with PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes app, the Apple Podcast Store, and become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, if you like the show, please leave a rating and a good review. I would really appreciate it, and thank you to everybody who has. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Tara Dublin. Welcome to the show, Tara. Hey, Kimberly. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you're fucking funny on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've Let's been... Let's just start with the being profane. <laughs> I am fucking funny. You make me laugh. And what I got to say, I mean, there's, there's similarities. Not exact. We're not exactly the same. But what I think that we share is this in-your-face kind of... I don't know if you'd call it activism so much, but it's like you just get in people's face on Twitter. And that's what I really like. It's like, I try to imagine what would I say to Ted Cruz if he were in front of my face? What right, could I do exactly. to cut him, cut him as hard, you know, like cut him to the core, cut him to the quick, whatever. And, and I appreciate that you do the same. And okay. And then I also really love Maxine and Duke. <laughs> oh, yeah, I made my fur babies. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, love no. Maxine. Well, first you got Maxine. Yes, I did. Oh, so I got Maxine first, and we're we're coming up on their first birthday. They were born wow. on Juneteenth oh, last year wow. in quarantine. Um, I wasn't intending on getting cats. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I had been through a cat thing, and I was traumatized by having to give away a cat that oh, just like didn't work out. Right. But in the middle of quarantine, I'm like, I I can't. I'm I'm gonna be sitting here by myself like yeah. forever. And one of my neighbor's cats had kittens. And I, I said, I'll take one, and I want a female. I want more female energy in my life. It'll be great. <laughs> I had her name picked out. I was all good to go. So I get her um, August 1st of last year, and, and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. And yes, her, her, so full, cute. her full name is Maxine Rodham Pelosi Dublin. <laughs> and we, you know, like she's amazing, right? Yeah. But she was a little aggro, like really bitey and yeah. Agro and she's uh she's got Maine Coon in her. Right. So like she looks deceptively beautifully innocent. But she was fierce. <laughs> and I was like, damn it, I can't you know, I thought I would be the only person who would get one cat because everyone's right. like, You can't just get one cat. You need two cats. And I'm like, I know, but I don't wanna have two cats. So then they had one kitten left in the litter. 
and nobody wanted that kitten because that kitten had an umbilical hernia. Oh. So like a bump on the belly. No right. big deal. You can get that removed. It's super easy. Yeah. And my neighbor assured me it was a female. She said, you know, come get this kitten because if you don't, I'm taking this kitten to the Humane Society oh, and my yeah. heart broke in half. And yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> and I went, I, I chose a name and I chose the name Duke before I ever saw the kitten mm -hmm. for my, the cat's names have layered reasons for their names. Right. I love the name Duke. I love the name Max. Max was actually my first word because oh, wow. when I was growing up, my aunt and uncle lived right next door to us in New Jersey. Yeah. And they had a German shepherd named Max. Mm. And that was the first animal in my life. Mm -hmm. That was the first. And so I was taught to love animals from a, from a young age. And my aunt would sit me down with the dog and pet the dog and say, Max. <laughs> and so my first word was Max. And my mom was like, thanks a lot. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that kind of harkened back to that. Plus Maxine Waters, obviously. But yes. with Duke, Duke, um, there's this show called uh, Better Things starring Pamela Adlon, and all of the women on that show have man names, like right. ma masculine names. Right. So she's Sam, and her daughters are Max, which is another layer, mm -hmm. Frankie, and the youngest is Duke, and Duke is uh, the most amazing character, and she's this <laughs> awesome little girl. So I'm like, I'm going to name my new little girl Duke. <laughs> and then there was also uh, when my son Jack was a little boy, there was a, a pet store we used to go to to get stuff for his aquarium and there's a huge black lab there named duke wow and he used to call that store duke and fish <laughs> i want to go to duke and fish <laughs> That's so, cute. so duke has meaning so i go over to get the kitten and she brings the kitten to me and i see the belly bump mm -hmm. but then i also see two other bumps which are the kitten's <laughs> balls and i was like hey hey medical technician right that's not a female <laughs> But there was no way I was not going to take right. the kitten. So so Duke came to us like a month later. It took like two days for them to get used to each other. Mm -hmm. And now if you see any of the photos, they're like <laughs> literally one cat. Yeah, they're best buddies. It's so cute. They're and it's like, buddies. oh, my God. And no. So yeah, go ahead. They, and they have changed everything. I mean, yeah. change. You bring an animal into your life and you become their slave. Yes, and, totally. And I'm fine with it. I'm so fine with it. And I, I adore them. I love them so much. Like I did, I knew I would love them. I mean, yeah. of course, but like to the point where it's like, <laughs> I, you know, you're ordering shirts that say number one cat mom. <laughs> That's when you know you have a problem. So, um, and when I went to my, I went to my son's college graduation a few weeks ago in California. Mm -hmm. I was more worried about the cat. Yes. Like the whole time. Cause my younger son was taking care of them and I knew he wasn't going to take care of them. Like I take right, care of them. Right. So, and I wasn't wrong, but um, <laughs> they were alive when I came back, of course, yes. but they, they basically spent the whole weekend under my bed. Oh, and then kids. when I came back, they were like, oh, you came back now. <laughs> I might I might be okay with this in a little. Oh. It took them a, it took them like a day yeah. to get over being mad at me. Yeah, and I can, so, under I can understand. So, yeah, so that, I mean, having Duke and Max during this time has definitely – been like the best thing I've done yeah in in this whole time because I, I you know I try to think about what what would my life besides the fact that I probably have a lot more money in the bank what <laughs> what would I be doing with myself you know yeah in the midst of the pandemic winter when it was gray and right. cold and awful like you can't go out you really can't go out what do you do and so thankfully you know I had them yeah. and they 
there a reason to get out of bed if you don't feel like it. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, you know, we don't really deserve animals. I know. We're, they're too good for us. They are. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think uh, if you are a good enough human in your next life that you come back as some sort of yes. animal because <laughs> I, I, humans are the worst yes. and being a human is the worst. Being self-aware, right? Isn't being self-aware oh like the yes. worst. We know we're going to die. Yeah, I know. We know about all the terrible in the world. Yeah. We eventually learn about the terrible in the world, and it breaks our heart every single day. Mm-hmm. And cats are like, are you rubbing my belly now or what? Let's go. <laughs> so I, I feel like after what we have so – like everybody who survived the Trump administration mm-hmm. and survived COVID – all of us who are on the other side of it, mm-hmm. we all get to come back as some rich lady's pampered cat Jeez, in the next life. I sure freaking hope so. Well, you know, it's right? in, it's interesting um, because my cat died on June 19th oh. last year. So the day that your Maxine was born, that's the day my kitty died. And um, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was like, I mean, I've had cats my whole life. My, my listeners know this story, so I don't want to go too far into it. But mm. just, you know, my entire life I've had cats. And this was so, this has been a year now going on a year I don't have a cat eventually I live with someone and we're gonna get uh we're gonna get two cats because I was like Mm -hmm. we have to have two this one I had you know her name was Miranda and I had Pearl and Miranda and then Pearl died in 2011 she was 10 years older than than Miranda and then so you know Miranda when she died last year she was the only cat and she she liked being the only cat but Mm -hmm. In the last two years of her life, she had medical issues with bowel obstruction. And, and so yeah. I was pretty much tied to the home where it's like, uh, you know, my boyfriend's mother lives in, she lives about two and a half hours away. And so when we go down there, we have to spend the night. I'm like, I can't. I can go down for the day. You can't. But I'm not spending the night because if she has to be taken to the emergency vet, so it's like, it, you know, and it's been hard because I have a boyfriend, so I have someone that mm-hmm. I live with. But it's interesting because my mother also lives alone and she's got two cats and she said the same thing. It's like they've saved her life. Having animals yes. when you're a real animal lover and you appreciate them um, made all the difference during COVID. And it really it was, does. I, I mean, I was why. already used to being alone. Yeah. I've been single for a long time. I've adapted. I'm good with it. But there are moments where you are really alone and you wish yeah. there was anything with right. a heartbeat next to you. Yeah. So in lieu of, because dating is free, I'm not even going to try that anymore. I'm done. <laughs> you want to paint me on Twitter as a lonely cat? I'm not lonely. I have friends. I have children. I have a life. Yeah. You want to portray me as a cat lady? I'm fine with exactly. that. My cat, my cats are better than any dude that can hang out with me at this point, as far as I'm concerned. And it's not just that. It's like you get to a point in your life. I'm 52. Me too. Um, I have been through the change of life. Me too. <laughs> my body's like, eh. well, my and now, like, I want, like, if I see people on TV, like, kissing or having sex, I'm like, ew. I don't want to know. I don't want to know about it. Oh, my I was, God. That's so funny. I think about it. I'm like, I'm like how, how much energy and, <laughs> and emotion, all of that, how much did of that did I expand on men yeah. when I could have been focusing on myself and now my body's like, see, oh my now's God, that's our so true. time. Yeah, and you know, that's so true. It's so funny because, well, and the sad thing is, is like, I was basically single for my entire life, right? I, I had a boyfriend when I was 18 and we went out for nine months. He had cheated on me twice. He was a sweet guy, but dumb and, mm-hmm. and really cute. 
really dumb and he did cheat on me twice and then that was it after I was 18 17 almost 18 when I met him and then we went out for nine months literally nine months in a week and then um I figured you know it was I was a, it was slow for me because I was tall I was always taller mm-hmm. than everybody else I in my um senior year my my classmates thought I was the teacher when I walked in <laughs> and so it's like boys in school didn't know what to make of me I mean they may right. have thought I was attractive but I was tall and I was very womanly I looked like I was 26 in my senior year so they just mm-hmm. didn't know what to do and when I was younger and watching everybody holding hands I was never part of that so I came to the game late and I figured okay well now it's begun and then after my first boyfriend it just kind of stopped and mm-hmm. I certainly had relationships and I dated people but never anything serious and so then I meet I don't know if you know who Bob Seska is but he's on Twitter too and yes and yes. I adore him <laughs> So I met him and shortly after I met him, I started going through menopause. So it's like God's little joke on me, (laughs) but we figured it out. And so that's good. He's a good human. He is. He's very good. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if you have an issue and you just talk to Bob about it, he'll just be like, I got it. Yeah. And that's how he is. I I mean, we, we have worked out the way we need to work it out. And fortunately it's really funny because I met him when I was 47 years old and mm-hmm. I, in fact, I'm doing a patrons only show. I have a, a show just for my patrons and I'm talking a little bit about the fact that I think I was single for so long because I wanted desperately, I desperately wanted to have a boyfriend. I never mm-hmm. settled for anybody, but I, I think the reason why I didn't, um, there's, I think there's other things too, but I think the main reasons is it's what I wanted did not manifest what I believed about myself manifested. And frankly, uh-huh. because I was so tall and so much right. bigger than everybody. And I was not like, a, I wasn't heavy, although I always thought I was fat, but I wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that nobody was going to love me. And that was my right. belief. And my belief is what I think I manifested, which was relationships with men who proved to me that I was not lovable. And right. I just, you no, know, I, I, yeah. I, you remember earlier when you said you think we're kind of the same person? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I think the, the older you get and the more the more set in your ways that you get, mm-hmm. the less you're going to settle yeah. for anything that doesn't suit what you've created for yourself. So mm-hmm. I have been single for a long time. <laughs> I, was, I was married, and despite what shitty trolls out there might say, <laughs> I only was married to one person, and only one person has ever impregnated me, and only one person is the father of both of my sons. Yeah. So fuck you, trolls. Exactly. They, you know all of all of that, all of the misogynist shit that they try. You're just like, uh huh. Uh huh. It's so weak that I'm, I'm like is. sitting there, like picking my teeth, going, uh huh. What else you got? Uh-huh. <laughs> None of it. It all just rolls off. It's like when a cat finds a, like a dying mouse and plays yeah, with so it before it kills it. Hits it around. Yeah. It <laughs> is sport for me now. None of it hurts my feelings. I don't care what they. Oh, okay. Oh, are you sad because you have a small penis? <laughs> None of it bothers me. No. Anyway, um, but so I was married. I got divorced in 2005. I was in a relationship with a younger guy mm-hmm. for nearly seven years after that. And so I have been person. I have been single since 2012. Um, and like you, dated mm-hmm. really. My mother said I dated like I was hunting for a boyfriend <laughs> and that I needed to like roll it down, you know, like dial yeah. it back a little. Um, <laughs> and in Portland, Oregon, 
is a very unique place. Mm-hmm. And when I say unique, I mean terrible. And <laughs> not because of the protest. That's completely secondary. Right. The prevailing, of, you know, uh, attitude here is very laid back. They're yeah. so laid back. They're like, they're like, they're horizontal. It's just, <laughs> it's, it took a really long, like, I'm from Jersey. I'm yeah. very forward motion. I'm right. like you said at the beginning. I'm direct. Mm-hmm. I will tell you the truth. I mm-hmm. mean, if we're face to face, I might soften it a little. But yes. online, I will fucking right. annihilate you, <laughs> Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, Jim Jordan, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Matt I Gates. will call Marjorie Taylor Green a cunt rag that is spelled with a Q, so it's not really a swear. Um, but when it came to like being just being in portland people find me too aggressive because i actually say what's on my mind instead of going oh well i don't know let's just see what happens right i am not a let's just see what happens person yeah i am a what the fuck person yeah and i'm i'm a let's fucking go person and if someone dawdles at the light a little too long i will honk my horn (laughs) so in portland everyone is just the men are so spineless they are so weak it's maybe because there's no fluoride in the water here and all of the calcium is leached from their bones. Oh my God. That's why they wear the skinny jeans and the, and the suspenders <laughs> so they can still walk upright in Portland. That's why, And everybody fucking looks like an, uh, a member of the Lumineers and they're all, you know, like we're going to start a jug band. I hate Portland so much. I've been here for 20 years. I'm done. Are you going to move? here is the worst. Gonna- I, would lo- I would move tomorrow, Cam. I would move to LA tomorrow if I had the financial means. And I just just don't right now. So the the history, uh, for those who don't know, I was on the radio in Portland for five years back in the early, in in the 2000s, from 2004 to 2009. Mm -hmm. Real radio, a real, not a podcast, real terrestrial radio. Some, I used the term terrestrial radio the other day on on Twitter and someone was like, I don't understand what that means. (laughs) Does it have to do with E.T.? Is it under the ground? Um, Terrestrial radio is your radio that you grew up with, the Mm -hmm. radio in your car, in Mm -hmm. your clock, you know, Mm -hmm. terrestrial, not satellite. Um, And I was on for five years from 2004 to 2009, and I was the midday, and I had great ratings. I was at at a certain point after things started going askew. Mm -hmm. uh, The only woman on the air. And then, I know, and I was, you know, not to, not to brag too much, but I was like the star of the station at that time. Mm -hmm. Tara from 94.7, I hosted all of the, you know, special events that we did and the concerts and I helped, you know, I did a lot, I did a lot of work. Was it fun? Oh my God, it was the dream job is all I've ever wanted to do. I loved it so much. People would call me and say, you know, they're a truck driver, they are, they are, they're a dishwasher, they're, they have a job they don't love. And they would call me and they say, you know, Tara, I hate my job, but I listen to you all day and you make my job better because wow. it sounds like you love your job. Yeah. And you loving your job makes my job better. And I took that very seriously. Mm-hmm. I took the responsibility of being on the air and cultivating my relationship with my audience it was incredibly important to me. Mm-hmm. And I always saw myself as sort of an ambassador for the station whenever I was going around town. Yeah. I always behaved, you know, I'm not a big drinker, so I yeah, I didn't get drunk publicly. I always comported myself because people who knew people mm-hmm. who knew who I was. So I had that 
local celebrity status. Right, 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 right. And to lose that, I, lo- I lost my job in 2009, not because I did anything wrong, mm-hmm. because I consistently had the best ratings, mm-hmm. but I was also in the midday. And so if you're not the morning and you're not the afternoon right. drive, yeah. that's not the big, big, big money. Mm-hmm. So when I, and I got laid off because of the economy. Thanks, George Bush. Mm-hmm. So when I lost that job, I lost my identity because mm-hmm. it, I had like, tied my whole life to that job yeah that job helped me leave a bad marriage and get on my feet and be my own person for the first time in my life i wasn't just a doctor's wife i wasn't just somebody's mother even though being a mother is the most important thing in the world i wanted more and i Mm -hmm. went after a job that i knew i could do and do well and i killed it and to this day people still do remember me from the radio not as much and when i lost that job it was just when Twitter was really beginning to explode. Mm-hmm. You know, 2009 yeah. is when social media really became mm-hmm. what it's, I mean, it was better then, but it's, you know, yeah, right. really, you know. So what I did was use the internet to um, express myself, which is what people do. Unfortunately, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> unfortunately, because I was emotional about something I should have been professional about, I earned I kind of blackballed myself in Portland because I dared to tell the truth about what was happening to radio. Mm. And for years I you know I saw it coming. Mm-hmm. And when I would t- and it's you know I am not a person who thinks I'm right all the time. If I'm wrong I will admit it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm I will hey I you know if I send out a tweet with misinformation I will I will mm-hmm. own it cuz that's important to do. But when I'm right about something mm-hmm. and people do not give me the legitimacy it really pisses me <laughs> yes, off I know. because because, okay, so because you were talking about being tall and being intimidating and all yeah. that, I'm five feet tall, and I weigh all of 105 pounds, 108 <laughs> maybe. If I'm, you know, I'm a small person, I'm a yeah. small human being, but I and so because I'm a petite person, I have to be loud and I have to yeah. make people pay attention to me, and so sometimes my mouth gets me in trouble, <laughs> but it's because I'm so passionate and I have so much. I care so much. And so because I care so much, I let the job become my life. And people mm-hmm. told me that was wrong. And I was like, well, sorry, but I can't not care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because people would hear it if you don't care. People hear it if you're half-assing something. They hear yep. it if you're just phoning it in or dying. You know, if yes. you're just not there, they can tell. Mm-hmm. I was there 100% of the time, all the time. And so when I lost that, I'm like, what do I do? What do I do now? I don't know what to do. And everyone's like, get on Twitter. You're, I'm like, you're so talented. You're so amazing. People are going to snub this guy, snatch you up right away. 12 years later, right. here we are. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, it was really frustrating because I would see it happen. Because I when I joined Twitter in 2009, and for people who only joined Twitter post Trump, they don't know. Right. Twitter was fun. Yeah. We would have fun. How long mm-hmm. have you been on Twitter? Since 2010. Okay, so you know. Mm-hmm. We used to have, we have fun hashtag games all yeah. the time, and we would have these. It was like a great big cocktail party. We would take a yes. night before we signed off so that people didn't think we were, you know, something bad right, happened or right, we weren't responding yeah. for a reason. Hey, good night. We used to make up clever ways to sign off for the night, <laughs> and it was fun. It yeah. was like going to a party that never stopped, and then it stopped being mm-hmm. like a party and more like yep. being in a death camp or whatever. So, but back then I was like, I watched people get famous. Mm-hmm. I watched Me too. Friends, Me too. Right? And yeah. I watched women in Portland who were writers like myself get famous while I stayed put. Mm-hmm. So I watched Cheryl Strayed 
launch into the stratosphere. And in 2010, I went to lunch with Cheryl and two other writer friends of ours before anything ever happened with Cheryl. And we're sitting there at lunch and very quietly, she goes, you guys, I, uh, I just sold my memoir. Hmm. Like, wow. Oh my God. She's like, I just sold it. And I got $150,000. Oh my God. We're like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. And that was wild. Yeah. That was wild. And so, but literally wild because it was the name of her book, but also what has happened with her to watch it happen to her is yeah. wild. And I watched it happen to Lydia Yuknovich, who is now seeing her memoir bought by Kristen Stewart, who is developing, wow. developing it into a movie. Insane. And now, are these women, were they on the radio? No, they're okay. just writers that I Oh, I see. I okay. Be, and I, you know, and I'm also a writer, but. Yeah. Um, the and job, a good one. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, it's. When I was on the radio, it opened a lot of doors for mm -hmm. me, and I could say, I'm Tara from 94.7. People are like, here's mm -hmm. something for free. Mm -hmm. So, and it connected me with all of these fantastic people. When I lost that, I still was friends with all of these people mm -hmm. who were then, like Chelsea Kane. Her books became incredibly successful. She got, a, you know, one became a, a TV series. She does comics. Uh, Carrie Cohen, Courtney Hommeister, they're so many Susie Vitello there are so many amazing writers in Portland and I'm like hi yeah hi. right while you're looking at Portland while Portland is exploding while Portlandia is on the rise mm -hmm. while they're shooting movies and TV shows here while I'm an extra on Grimm while I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this I'm waving my arms mm -hmm. frantically at agents and publishers and mm -hmm. movie and and everyone's like who what where I don't mm -hmm. see you I don't see you I don't know what I have to do really to get seen as far as my writing goes because that's what that's how I'm earning a living now. Yeah. Thankfully I'm no longer in the service industry because mm -hmm. that's what after I lost my job on the radio, I was unemployed for three years. Mm -hmm. I could not get a job on the radio here because I went on the internet and I was like, Well, this is what's happening to radio. Like I was trying like I was saying earlier. I saw it coming. I mean, I yeah. told my boss in 2007, I said, we need to be streaming online. He was like, why would we do that? Mm -hmm. I was like, because the internet's never going away. Mm -hmm. And if we don't learn how to use it, we're going to get left behind. Mm -hmm. Like, no, like, like analog stuff. I'm like, radio is yeah. going to become like vinyl and it, we're going to be like a niche collector's, yeah. you know, thing. We're going to become like a fetish if we don't learn to grow. Mm -hmm. And he was like, nah. A year after that, we're on the internet, mm -hmm. and it, and it was shit like that. Like, yeah. I would say to him, "Why are we playing this one-hit wonder type person when we should be playing Adele?" And mm -hmm. he'd be like, "Adele, nah," <laughs> you know, like shit like that. Yeah. And I'm just like, "Why do I even talk? Why do you ask me my opinion if you don't, you know, valid, you know, you don't honor it or anything?" Yeah. So, wow. Uh, my experience has been one of frustration, where yeah. it's like I think I'm getting close to something, mm -hmm. and then something happens, I don't get there. Uh, in 2015, I had a young adult book that I had written, and a friend of mine connected me with her agent, who doesn't even do young adult, but she loved the manuscript so much that she worked with me on it, and she submitted it to a publisher the week before Christmas of 2015, and I, I was like, why, why, why don't you wait until after the new year? When She's like, oh, no, we're ready. Let's do it now. Hmm. Nobody reads anything before Christmas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it died on the desk when they all came back from the holidays and the new stuff was on top of my mm -hmm. stuff. And then she dropped Jesus. me. And then when I tried to self-publish it on Amazon, the Trumpers found it. Yeah. And I got horrifically cyber harassed in 2016. Yeah. 
because wow. I dared open my mouth and say, I like Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And people were like, what? Mm -hmm. So, and I had a real life incident that made me go, but I don't even want to talk about that. But, um, that's when I got verified and mm -hmm. that's when things started. Like I got started getting more visibility and I was mm -hmm. like, well, blue check. Now I'm going to get famous. Now mm -hmm. I'll get a book deal. Now we'll get more, more, more voiceover work. Maybe now we'll get back on the radio because no radio station in Portland has the visibility that I do as far as social media goes. Mm -hmm. They don't have the engagement. They need me. And they were like, uh, no, we don't. We're, we're fine being mediocre without you. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and even, and so like I eventually mourned the loss of that, got over it. I mean, my heart always will always mm -hmm. kind of gravitate. And in fact, there is right now a radio station in Portland looking for a morning show co-host. Oh, wow. That I applied. Yeah. And I tweeted about it, and I was like, look. <laughs> and I even wrote them the humblest cover letter of my life. <laughs> I was like, look, I know what I did. Yeah. I know I know my mouth got me in trouble because I'm too passionate about radio. I, you know, I went on the – I just went on the internet. I was like – this is what's wrong with radio and this is what's wrong with radio and this is what's wrong with radio and all the men in charge of radio are like, well, we're not going to, we don't like that. Yeah. We don't like it when a woman tells us what to do. Exactly. Yeah. I only have 800 million ideas <laughs> on how to make your radio station successful. What do I know? I only created the most successful promotion in the history of my radio station that they still do every year. Wow. I created a, a, you know, every every radio station used to do a, ho a holiday show, a ho mm -hmm. one holiday concert where like, you know, 10 bands would come and they'd all play. And my boss back in 2004 said, we're not going to do a holiday show. And I was like, OK. He's like, instead, we're going to just do a bunch of concerts all all through the month. I was like, well, is it a concert series? He was like, no, just a bunch of shows. And I'm like, well, couldn't we sell a concert series and get a sponsor? And he's like, well, maybe. I was like, don't you think uh, a sponsor would make more money off of 10 shows instead of one show? And he's like, well, yeah. I was like, so why don't we have a holiday concert <laughs> series instead of just one holiday concert? Right. Because you'll make more money that way. Yeah. And he goes, well, uh, um, what would we call it? And I'm like, give me a minute and I'll think of stuff. <laughs> and so I, I thought about it and I you know, wrote up some stuff and emailed it to him. And he comes running into the studio. And the one that he chose was December to Remember, mm -hmm. which, by the way, Lexus now uses. I don't think oh, they wow. stole it from right, me. Right, right, right. But they call it December to Remember. People in the Portland area will know it. It still continues. They uh, Not last year, obviously, but um, every year they have the holiday concert series, and every year when I drive by the Crystal Ballroom, I see December to Remember on that marquee, and I don't get one penny. Hmm. I don't get anything from yeah. it, and they make millions. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, because right, you know, with all of the money that goes out, not as much comes back, but they mm -hmm. still make money from it, and it's their number wow. one moneymaker every year. I don't get any credit for it. No one remembers me for it. I'm not bitter. It's fine. But <laughs> the thing is, if I can do that, what yeah. can I do for you now? With exactly. all of the years of experience and all of the things that I've seen since. And all of the social media prowess that mm -hmm, I have now mm -hmm. and the connectivity that I have and the famous people that I could get to call in for interviews now. Mm -hmm. Don't you, yes. why don't you want that? Exactly. I, yeah. Do you, and it's that they think I'm a troublemaker and I'm not. Oh, I'm, I understand that. Yes. There's so yeah, many parallels. I'm going to have to point out some of these parallels, but yeah. Um, so now it's do you have a, do you have any answer about this co-host position? 
Uh, not as of yet. I only applied for it last week, and it was just okay. a holiday weekend. I honestly don't expect to hear from them, right. which is disappointing Yeah. because, you know, bad stuff happened. I said bad things, but when I was working mm-hmm. – you couldn't complain about anything that I did. Mm-hmm. If there was, there's no complaints in my file. I was such a good girl. When <laughs> I had, in the middle of, so I was there for five years. After I had a three-year contract. So, and by the way, they chose me over people who had had much more ma- major market experience that I had at that point. Mm-hmm. Someone from ESPN was rejected hmm. because they chose me. Um, so after three years, I had to renegotiate my contract. I was not making a lot of money. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, 2007 money. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, I was making $34,000 a year mm-hmm. and that's nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, but I had to go renegotiate my contract and I had to sit down with the VP of programming and my immediate boss. And they literally said to me, what do you think you're worth? What, which is a terrible question to exactly, ask anybody. Yeah. But when it's men asking yes. women, what do you think you're yeah. worth? Wow. And this is 2007 where there's no Me Too and there's no right. huge online movement to support women. And I'm just like, I don't – and I was like, frankly, I'm worth millions. Mm-hmm. I am worth millions to this company because this, 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 and this reason. And they both looked at me and they were like, uh, the industry <laughs> standard raises 3%. I said, I'm not literally asking you for millions right. of dollars. <laughs> duh. I'm asking you to look at the value that I bring to the company and assess what you think I deserve. And they said, the industry standard is 3%. I said, awesome. I'm happy with that. Can I go back to work now? Because all I want to do is I, I want to be 150 years old and die on the air. That's wow. what I want. This is all I want. I don't care yeah. what, you know, you can pay me what, you know, because you get endorsements and you get free right. shit and it's a dream job. I loved it so much. And they knew I loved it. Mm-hmm. So the next, you know, like two days later, my boss comes into the studios, this British guy he goes, okay, right, Tara, we've heard back from corporate and uh, you didn't get the 3%. Rate. Oh, and I man. Was like, oh. I was like, oh, what did I get? 2%? He goes, uh, no, you got a 16% <gasps> raise. Wow. He said, in the, my, he said, I have been with this company for 15 years. I've never heard of a 16% rate. Wow. He said, that is how much of an asset you are mm-hmm. to us. And I was like, okay, lovely one. 16% was still what, $38,000? Right, right. So that I didn't, I never even made 40, 40 grand. Wow. And I believe that the men that I was working with mm-hmm. made more. Of course they uh, did. Of course. I don't know, but I don't know. And so, you know, and then to get laid off two years after that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what happened to me being a tremendous asset? I'm the only woman. This is such a bad look for you. And this is a bad precedent because the only reason people need the radio anymore, it's the human connection. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it is. And I, and I do not know why people in char- who are in charge of radio don't understand this. Mm-hmm. But if anybody out there is a radio programmer who might be listening, <laughs> stop changing shit your audience (laughs) does not want you to change anything that's why they're there Mm -hmm. they like what you have they like your they want your people where they are forever Mm -hmm. that's why they watch the same tv people exactly yes tv news it's about trust and they trusted me yeah they did it and to and and so to get rid of me is to violate the audience's trust and for seven years after seven years after they laid me off they didn't replace me. They just automated my show. Oh, wow. That sucks, man. So, to, and then when they finally did replace me, they replaced me with a girl who doesn't even live in Portland. She's in Seattle. 
and she voice tracks from Seattle. And that is the new way of radio where one person standing mm-hmm. in a studio can be beamed to the whole country because exactly. it's cheaper. Yeah. And that's the way but, it goes. Yeah. But look how much they lose. They do. They lose so it's a lot. Really not. It's actually more expensive for you to lose humans. Yeah. Because other humans react mm-hmm. to the loss of that. And so that's why you lost your audience. Yeah. That's why you lose your advertisers. It's because you don't have a reason to go there anymore. And that's what I was telling my bosses in 2006 and 2007. And as soon as we heard about Napster and iPods, I was like, we're screwed. If people can program their own music now Mm -hmm. in their car, what do they need us for? Exactly. If they can get, and then once, this is even before you could get the internet on your phone. This is how long ago that was. But I said, there will be a point where people will be able to get the internet on their phone and then they really won't need us because Mm -hmm. they can find out the traffic and the weather Mm -hmm. and the news anywhere else why would they listen to us mm-hmm. because they like the dj exactly and if you yeah. change that they won't come back why don't you understand this you fucking morons and they're like don't call us fucking morons <laughs> so what do you do what do you do with that situation when they won't listen and you know you're making sense and you know you're right and they still won't listen then you have to stop then you have to stop trying yeah. and so eventually i stopped trying and every so often there's a radio job in Portland that's available and I would go and try for it and then I would never get it. Yeah. So I stopped trying. And then just before the pandemic hit, there is a person, I won't name him, who is very hooked up in radio. And he reached out to me on Twitter and said, how is it that you're not on the air? Hmm. And I was like, all of the things I just said to you. Mm-hmm. So, and he was like, I know people, let me make some calls on your behalf. And I said, I'm going to tell you what they're going to tell you. Mm-hmm. I can save you some time. They're going to say, oh, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, I don't really have anything for her is what they're going to say. I'll talk to her, but I don't have anything for her. And that's exactly what happened. And this guy was like, oh, no, no, no. You're so talented yeah. and you're no, so amazing. Yeah. You're so connected. And blah, 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 all of the things that people say. And then nothing ever happens. And so if I'm so talented and I'm so mm-hmm. connected and I'm so this and I'm so why don't you want me? What's what's what is it? Are you were well, what is it? Is it because I say swears on Twitter? Right. Is it is it because I leaned politically these last few years instead of leaning towards music? Right. What is it? Tell me what it is. Because by the way, it doesn't matter what it is. What you want is the ability to draw an audience. I'm growing my audience daily. Right. Are you? No, you're <laughs> not. And one of the things that I said when I went in this meeting, I was like, I have checked your social media. You had this many a month and a half ago. You have that same number today. Yeah. A month and a half ago, I had this number. My number is bigger. Mm-hmm. So if I'm capable of growing an audience, don't you want that? And I was told, I'm very happy with the people I have now. Hmm. And I said, nobody knows who the people you have are. Yeah. If I went to somebody in Portland and I said, who does the mornings on kink? They'd be like, what? <laughs> But it's so crazy. It's so crazy how many parallels uh, when you're speaking that I can identify with in my own life. And I want to get to that. But um, first, I want to uh, play a little words from our sponsor. So just hold on there. Well, if you ever catch yourself thinking when looking in the mirror, I wish my under eye bags would just go away. You're not alone. 
Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now, introducing my new favorite, the new GenuCell Serum with plant stem cell technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote me, I've been using GenuCell for a couple months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, around the cheekbones, and on my eyelids. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. They guarantee it. Order now and save big on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L. For an instant 10% off your order, order now. You'll get the amazing Genucel XV face cream. When you order the exclusive Genucel most popular package at checkout, that's love, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. Okay, and we are back. Um, the crazy thing is, first of all, I don't know if you know this, but I wrote two young adult books. Actually, one young adult book was with my mother where we collected stories about uh, first-time sex. But then I wrote a book about, uh, and it's funny because it came out in 2016. <laughs> I was like <laughs> the fall of 2016, and I did self-publish it. But um, it's about a girl who, a teenager who has an abortion. And mm-hmm. I also... You know, I mean, I used to be in sales. I was never in radio, but I used to be an actor. And and then I left the acting world and I, I had been on Days of Our Lives for seven years, but just a small part. Went uh-huh. into sales, outside sales. And then I decided uh, that I would, well, while I was in outside sales in 2004, I had the idea for the Virgin Diaries, the stories about sex. And my mom and mm-hmm. I did that together. And um, so it was funny because I got it's crazy how I came into this. And again, my audience knows it just to be real brief with you. I, I had that book out and I was like pushing it and I was trying to figure out like, how can I how can I get myself out there so people know who I am as an author and I can continue to do these books of compilations and, you know, stories and all this stuff. And so uh-huh. anyway, I wrote an open letter to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal slut after he went off on Sandra Fluke. And I just uh-huh. basically wanted him to see me and start attacking me because I figured, well, then that will bring attention to my book. But right. that didn't happen. But what did happen was that blog became incredibly successful and it led to me writing politics, which led to me talking to you right now on my own podcast. So I, I, I lost also, I had a Facebook page that was thriving. I had like the 5,000 friends and I had like 16,000 mm-hmm. followers. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not famous. So it, the fact that I could grow that really with you know, yes, I'm an author, but I was a self-published author. Um, right. And Facebook said, fuck you, took my page down in 2018 when they got rid of all the other, there, there was a number of liberal and conservative pages they shut down and they gave us this ridiculous reason, but really the reason was Mark Zuckerberg wanted yeah. to show everybody that he could self-regulate. So um, there are so many interesting so parallels. Shitty. Yeah, I mean, so many interesting parallels. And plus you're a 52-year-old woman. I'm going to be 53 in July. And, you know, when I was looking for jobs in the midst of all of this, when I was doing political writing and trying to sell my books, but not really making enough to survive, I would go on, uh, I I would keep wanting to say auditions. I would go on job interviews. And the first Mm -hmm. thing they would say to me is, oh, we Googled you, which was the end. Because, you know, I was a liberal slut. Yeah. Yeah. Liberal slut was my thing. (laughs) It does. And it doesn't and matter that, like is, you said, you build your audience, they don't care. They don't care. And you think that they would because they're not growing their audience yeah. at all. Right. They are happy staying at a 1.2 rating, which is bullshit. <laughs> and, and I have said to them, like, I'm aware that 
I can be controversial mm-hmm. or I can say things that people kind of go, what? <laughs> but isn't that better than people not caring? Yeah. Isn't that better than having no passion? Isn't that better than people not paying it? You know, like you just want the audience to come to like, right. I said, and the last place I went, like, this company employs Lars Larson. <laughs> On one of their stations. Lars Larson is a nationally syndicated conservative talk show host. And when I say conservative, he would marry a gun if he was allowed. Right. So I was like, you're worried about the girl who is blocked by Trump, but you're okay with Lars Larson? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. So Well, there you go. There you go. And you are a woman. You're you're a 52-year-old woman. How dare I? Yeah. So... You know, that is the other problem because yes. being a woman in radio has its other challenges. When I was active in radio, uh, the misogyny, because again, remember, mm-hmm. 2004 to 2009, totally different time, mm-hmm. totally different mindsets. Mm-hmm. Most people at that time assume if you're a woman in radio, you were there to blow a rock star. Yeah. Answer, no. Right. You can actually like music without wanting to fuck all of the people who make it. <laughs> Exception, Foo Fighters. So anyway... <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Could anybody listening to the sound of my voice please tell Dave Grohl to check out my pinned tweet? It's not that hard. It's not that hard. I wish Kimberly more than anything because there's reasons that I don't want to go into in your podcast. But I would just like to talk to Dave Grohl. Like I said earlier, 52 went through the change of life. The body doesn't ask for the same things it used to. The brain and the heart, though, remember stuff that they would like to clarify. So. It's not a and like Dave Grohl's wife has literally nothing to worry about. But <laughs> I just would like to have a conversation with my old friend. Yeah. So, and I have the best fan meets rock star story in the world. A lot of people have great stories about Dave Grohl because he is a great guy. Yeah. And they have fun stories about how they met him in an airport or they met him in a bar. Dave Grohl knew my name before we met. Oh wow. So, do, do you not know this story? I, I can do tell not. It super quick. I don't know. So. Okay, it's my pinned tweet. So if you go to Twitter, at Tara Dublin Rocks, I have pinned it because I've been trying for like a fucking almost year <laughs> to get him to see this blog. Mm-hmm. I wrote a blog, and I wrote the whole story is on Medium. It's connected through that pinned tweet. But in 2001, so we are coming up on the 20th anniversary of this, uh, August 5th, 2001, uh, the Foo Fighters had a, not it was not secret, but it wasn't advertised to the public, a, a show for people who were registered on their post board Mm -hmm. at the time in 2001. And they played this little show at the Troubadour in LA, which Mm -hmm. is such a great venue. And you had to enter a contest to win a living up here. Um, I only had Jack. He was two. I was married and I was so obsessed with Dave Grohl. And I was like, I loved him. I was 32 (laughs) years old. I really should have been more evolved as a human, but I wasn't. (laughs) I had a husband who was a busy doctor and was always ignoring me. So I was very lonely and I got, into the whole internet post board thing. And, um, but so I won, I was one of the people who won and I flew down to LA and I met all of these people that I'd been talking to online for two years. And here's how much things have changed in 2001. People were like, you're going to go meet people from the internet. That's weird. <laughs> now, if you say to somebody, I right. met somebody and they don't even have a Facebook or they're not on Twitter. They're like, Ooh, you can't, you can't find them on. If you right, do a Google exactly, search, that's yeah. weird. So times have changed. Mm-hmm. So I went to the show I was right in the front. Um, there was an opening band. Dave and Taylor came out with the opening band. When the Foo Fighters came out and played after the first song, he looks at me. And you know how girls are like, oh, my God, the lead singer looked at me. Oh, my God. 
he looked at me and then he goes, I know who you are. Wow. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and I look at my friends. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And he's looking at me and he's like, with a shit eating grin. For the rest of the show, he is looking at me. He is singing to me. <laughs> There's a point where they played a brand new song and he's like, that's going to be a big fucking hit. And I said to my friends, we need to go. There's a, there was a forum on the post board about his hair. He was to write about his hair like it was like the most important topic in the world. I like it short. I like it long. I like the goatee. I like it when he doesn't have a goatee. People would do this. So I said to my friends, I'm like, let's let's yell out that his hair looks great because it was short and he had the goatee. He looked hot as fuck. And we all yell out, Dave, your hair looks great. And he goes, thanks a lot, Tara. That's really nice. Oh, my God. And I have an MP3 of that moment. Wow. I have it. I own it. I have it. Dave Grohl. <laughs> I have it. If you want it, I have the song that became a different song and you saying my name. So I was like, what in the fuck? Yeah. So after the show was over, I know I'm like, I had maybe thought about hanging out at the stage door to try to get a picture or say hi or whatever. Now I'm like, I need to find out how Dave Grohl knows who I am. <laughs> I wasn't on the radio at that time. I was just somebody's wife and mom. I was yeah. fucking no one. So I see my friends at the back bar and I go over to them like, oh my God, Tara. And then I was like, I know. And the guy that they're standing with is like, oh, Tara, you're Dave's friend. I'm like, yeah, I'm Dave's <laughs> friend. He goes, well, let's go backstage. Oh, God. And it was Jimmy Chamberlain from the Smashing Pumpkins. Wow. Jimmy Chamberlain from the Smashing Pumpkins takes us backstage. We walk up to the backstage. Dave is standing by himself drinking a beer. And instead of coming going up to him being like, um, hi, mm -hmm. um, Dave. <laughs> I went up to him like I was an old friend that hadn't seen him in a long time. I was like, hey, Dave. And he goes, oh, my God, Tara. And he gives me this huge hug. And he goes, oh, my God, it's so great to finally meet you. And I was like, what? I'm supposed to say that to you. Yeah, right. I'm nobody. You're famous. What? Is I'm like, how do you know who I am? He goes, oh, I know everything. I'm like, really? Who's this? And I point to my friend Jill, who was one of the webmasters for his website. I go, who's this? He goes, oh, I don't know. I go, this is your webmaster. How do you know who I am? I, to this day. I do not know how he found me. Hmm. I do not know why he singled me. There were like so interesting. Thousands, thousands of people posted every single day. Yeah. I love Dave. Dave is hot. I love the Foo Fighters. And <laughs> I was just one of those people. Just a regular person. Yeah. Like any like anybody else posting on the internet. And Dave's like, Oh, what's up, Tara? And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. So to this day, I don't have an answer for how do you know that? Yeah. How do you know me? So, but from that point on, if I went to a Foo Fighters show and he knew it, I got backstage. I got to hang out with him. Wow. We got to talk. I've been to sound checks. I've been to after stuff. Um, but I haven't talked to him mm -hmm. since 2009 when he came to Portland. He was drumming with this band called Them Crooked Vultures. It was him and Josh Hom from Hami from Queens of the Stone Age. And John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. Wow. And I went to that show in Portland and I hung out with him. And it was like six months after I had lost my job. And he was pissed. He was like, what can I do? What can I do? And I'm like, I don't know. You want to call him and tell him to get my job back? <laughs> uh, but that was the last time I got to sit down and talk with him. And uh, like we were showing each other pictures of our kids on our phones. And it was like, you know, like old friends catching yeah. up because we hadn't seen each other in a while. And people kept coming up to him saying, hey, Dave, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but... I'm about to leave, and can I get a picture? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm just trying to talk to my friend Tara here. It's all good. <laughs> but I haven't – I don't have a way of getting in touch with him directly. Yeah. And the last time we saw each other, like physically saw each other, was when Foo Fighters were here in 2015. That's when he had his broken leg, hmm. and he was sitting in a throne. And I was – and wow. um, 
Yeah, it was this coolest thing. You should look it up. The tour manager it has been hot and cold with me over the years. And I had emailed him because I was so poor and I had no money. And I was like, hey, Gus, can I can you just can I just get it one ticket? And he was like, nope. Nope, wow. nope, nope, nope. Day of the show, he emails me. He goes, you have two tickets waiting for you at Will Call. Do not thank me publicly. And I went and picked them up. And there was also a wristband to get backstage. Mm-hmm. But only so far. Right. Backstage. And I was just like, you motherfucker, you love to twist. You just love to twist it, don't you? So I got so far. I never, so I never got to see him backstage. Yeah. So during the show, they had this long catwalk that the, that the uh, throne was attached to. And it would, like, move him back and forth, like – like an old toy, like it was the hilarious. It's actually hilarious if you look up the YouTube videos and then you speed them up. So he's like, Z-Z-Z-Z. anyway, he gets all the way down to the. I position myself with my friend at the end of the catwalk and we waved our arms and then he finally he saw me. Oh wow, that's cool. And he dedicated breakout to me. And then at the end of the show, he got up out of the throne and on his crutches and he kind of tipped the end of his crutch to me like he used to do with his guitar when he would see me in the front row and he screamed my name. <laughs> and I was like, I love you. And that was it. Wow. That was the last time. Yeah. So this year is the 20th anniversary of the day that we met. And unfortunately, the Foo Fighters are playing a concert in Kansas on that day. Oh, so wow. I don't think I can right. make it. But to anybody out there, literally anybody out there, if you happen to have even the most tenuous connection, I just want him to read what I wrote because I wrote this great big long thing about the night we met, the subsequent times we hung out. The lingering questions that I have, just like a little, a little closure. Yeah. On some of those lingering questions, I mean, no bodily fluids were ever exchanged, <laughs> unfortunately. And if I could do that thing where I could go back to the night we met, um, and he was like, "I want to go get something to eat," and the girl I was staying with said, "Well, we have to go because Tara has an early flight." If that conversation right. had gone differently, yes. So what I did was I wrote a book. In oh. quarantine, I wrote a whole book in quarantine. Oh, wow. I totally fictionalized the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I created a character who was an unhappily married woman who wins a concert to go see wins a, a contest to go see her favorite band, and the lead singer calls her out. And instead of going home, she going home to her husband, she goes home with the, with the lead singer, and that life mm-hmm. ensues. And what How happens fun. Yeah, when that's awesome. you know you get what happens if you're given this life that you thought you wanted. And it turns out to be maybe not everything you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So it's not like mm-hmm. it's not a fairy tale. It's right. a rock and roll love story. Right. But it's it's steep, you know steeped in reality, and it's literally the best thing I've ever written in my life. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I, I make my living as a writer right now. I mm-hmm. write for Hill Reporter, mm-hmm. and I get a lot of satisfaction out of being able to write those commentaries and you know be able to use my voice. Um, with the politics because you know I'm super passionate about that and I always will be and I'm I'm always going to be you know this very driven democratic supporter always 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 mm-hmm. but I want this book out in the world that has nothing to do with politics and my yeah. frustration is I feel invisible on Twitter if I'm not tweeting swears about Marjorie Taylor Greene <laughs> do you ever feel that way like if you're not sticking to the topic that launched you or whatever that yeah. people know you for if you ever deviate you get like two responses yeah and definitely <laughs> it's frustrating and every time they do pitch wars you know pit mad mm-hmm. hashtag pit mad which is I think tomorrow hmm. it's either tomorrow or the next day I get nothing mm-hmm. I get nothing and the and I what do I have to do like I have visibility. I have a blurb from Cameron Crowe. 
I have uh, Pat Oswalt gave me a great blurb for the first book I wrote wow. that I could probably tweak to apply to this one. <laughs> I have a you know I have an audience. I have a built-in yeah. audience, and they want to read my book. Rosanna Arquette tweeted that she wants to see the movie of my book. Wow! And so Rosanna gave me great advice. She's like, just pitch it as a movie at this point. I was right. like, to who? Yeah. Who's listening? I, I don't know. know. Yeah. Who am I supposed to send it to? That's hard and, too. Yeah, it's difficult right? because because when we are stuck in the internet, like how do you get out yes. of it? Like being Twitter famous, quote unquote, that's fun while you're doing it. But like I put my phone down. But it's like I'm contained, nobody. right? Exactly, so it's contained. How yeah. do I take what's in the phone and make it exist in the real world? Is what I have been trying to do all of this time. I guess the best and, way to say is like look for an agent or something because, I, you know, I will say this: there is a guy who follows me on Twitter he has some he's been on some television shows you know on uh, MSNBC CNN etc sometimes mm -hmm. he goes on Fox and he said would you help me would you help amplify me because I guess he wants to get on some news program he wants to be one of the hosts or the host or whatever and uh -huh. at that point he only had let's say 20,000 followers and his agent said you need to have at least 40,000 followers and so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I gave up trying to pitch my book to publishers because I just the fucking ordeal. It's such oh, it's an ordeal. It's horrible. Yeah, and it's the, like the years and years. And they want and they want five pages. Yeah. How you can can you tell from five pages? whether it's good or not. And they don't always read, read it. They don't, you know, my mother is an author and mm. she had pitched one of her books to an agent and received a reply that made it, it was incredibly clear they did not read what she wrote. They might yeah. have read a paragraph to get a basic understanding and then they went on to critique her for things that were non-existent. And not only that, when you are, when you're, when you're pushing your book to an agent, now it's just an agent, it's not the publisher. Right. So the agent is like, okay, well, I will hold on to your book for three months and you're not allowed to pitch it to any other agent or do anything else with your book. So you sit there for three months and you fucking wait and then they don't right. come back with an answer and then they go, oh, extended two more months and then they reject so, you. And half the time they're rejecting you because they, don't even, they haven't even fucking read it. Of course they haven't <laughs> fucking read it. I just got the worst auto response. I, had, I submitted a query. I did everything by the guidelines. And I got this response that it sounded like they had a bot put it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where I was like, thank you for your submission. Unfortunately, I didn't connect with the. And then it said, what with my reservations and all. Oh, my God. And I was like, what yeah. is that sentence? And it was very badly. It was mm -hmm. just like a, a poorly constructed sentence, like, a, like bad syntax. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I actually tweeted it. And someone responded like, Oh my God, I got the exact same rejection. Oh my God. Well, there and you I go. Was just like, and then I outed the age. I was like, don't query Harvey Klinger. Just don't do it because this is. Oh what my you're God, get. it's Harvey Klinger. Yep. Oh my, do you know that I saved him? I'm not going to be writing a book anytime soon, but I saved him because, do you know, do you know that name? Harvey Klinger, I mean, I know it from the Brady Bunch. That's what I'm talking about. That's where I, right. it was so funny because I think I looked up Harvey Klinger and I saw that there was a Harvey Klinger fucking agent. I'm like, no way. Yes. No way. It's an, an agency named Harvey Klinger. And at the, and maybe even that should give you, it's like you're naming your agency after a <laughs> guy on the Brady Bunch who likes bugs. <laughs> maybe you're not, but maybe you're just a little like left of center that you would be like, you're the right one for us. Right. Because wow, maybe mine yeah. doesn't fit like the traditional, like it's not 
fantasy and there's mm-hmm. no secret world and there's, well, there's not always witches something. and goblins yeah. and shit. There's always something. Like, yeah, when I was doing the Virgin Diaries, it was like people didn't understand. All I wanted was stories from people on what it felt like emotionally specific. I mean, yes, I wanted physical, but I didn't want to write a sex book. I wanted to collect stories for virgins who are curious and you know, who are, who are they going to ask? Parents aren't really, parents aren't going to tell you the real story. Your friends are going to tell you some fucked up version of what it is. And right. you're never going to get the real thing. So it's like, I, right. I just remember when I was a kid, I didn't want to have sex, but I was very curious about sex. And I wanted to know. And so when I pitched this idea, it's like people wanted charts and graphs. It's like, no, when I was 11, I wouldn't yeah. give a shit about the charts and the graphs. I'm not here. I what, what is it yeah. like? What does it what feel it like? like? What's the emotional yeah. state? What What does right. it feel like physically? But I didn't want porn. I just wanted, okay, it hurt or it felt great or whatever. And so right. that's what I accomplished. And I still, and it was so funny. Because there is this fucking know-it-all that I I can't say who it is, but somebody that I know and I'm very close to is friends with a know-it-all actor. He's Mm -hmm. he's not famous, but he's been in everything, right? So Mm -hmm. um, he read the book and it was already published. It was out in the world and he was fucking giving me critiques on how I need to add um, charts and graphs. And it's like, first of all, it's published. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> second of all no i didn't want that anyway i i think i totally understand what you're talking the about because explaining like when does yeah, that end when it does mansplaining it never, it never ends. ends it never seriously ends. we we're good we got it thanks so yeah. much we, if we wanted your <laughs> advice we would specifically come to you and say what do you think i should do yeah and sometimes if we i haven't do, done that we do that sh- sometimes we do ask for that advice but the the advice we do the unsolicited advice from the well actually crowd it's like oh my god it's so fucking maddening to this and- <laughs> day to this day to this very morning yes I did every, day. every day every day and it's and the not all men too it drives me nuts because it's, it's like look you know and i always like to say not all white women voted for trump but as a block they did and so yep. when you say white women voted for trump i don't freak the fuck out because I recognize that there were enough, there were too many, that there were enough women who voted for Trump, enough white women, that you could say white women voted for Trump. And yeah. so just you could say black people voted for Biden. It's yeah. just, not all black people, but, but, but I swear to God, the defensive men. And it's like, look, I get it. I get that you aren't the bad guy per se. But yeah, if you, I wasn't talking about you, then why it's do not you about you. I'm talking about you. <laughs> exactly. It's but so what, like frustrating. That, that's the kernel of it, though. Like when when I get trolled by the micro penis, I'm <laughs> I'm so fascinated by. It. I'm like, first of all, I did not invite you. Yeah. Like I didn't I didn't send for you. You thought I was talking about you. So let's unpack this. Why do you think I'm talking about you, man? I don't know you. I don't know your life. What set you off? I was just speaking in general, and you're just like, <laughs> yes. So, what? So like, this guy came for me the day before he had two couple of days ago. Because right now my head, my name thing says Tara Dublin is vaccinated AF. You can change that. You can <laughs> right. say you can say anything, yeah, right? Right. It's not your bio. You can change your bio. You can change yeah. anything. So this guy comes for me and he's like, "Well, if you put it in your bio that you're vaccinated, why don't you put it in your bio that you that you got your pep smear and your breast exam?" And I'm like, "What?" I saw what? him. I went after right? him too. You saw that guy, right? Yeah, I did. So I went, yeah. We spent. I spent. First of all, first of all, I always go and check to see mm-hmm. are you actually a human mm-hmm. or are you some bot that someone bought from mm-hmm. 2009 so i always check there's a million different ways you can find out if somebody's a real person i figure out he's a real person 
So I'm like, first of all, that's not my bio. I can make my name be whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Why do you care? And by the way, yes, I actually do share when I get a mammogram. <laughs> yeah, and right. Smear, because if I have this visibility, sometimes maybe I should use it for good and right. remind women it's time to check out your mm -hmm. systems or whatever mm -hmm. I said. And then he did a search. Tara Dublin breast exam pap smear. Oh, my God. And tweeted the screenshot. And I was like, my medical history is not for you to get a little micro boner for. Oh like, my what are you God. doing? This is disgusting. And then I said, and then I did a search. Mm -hmm. And I found, I found tweets of mine, like, back in, like, 2011 saying I just got a mammogram. So I was like, you know, if you use Twitter correctly, you can find all kinds of things. <laughs> and but, but basically, I'm not here to get you off right. by describing my mammogram. Like, this is disgusting. So it's what, what, leave us alone already, mm -hmm. men. And like, I took a picture of myself in Target because they, they don't like, you can not wear a mask now in Target yeah. if you don't want to. And I took a picture literally of my eyes up. Mm -hmm. I had no makeup on. I'm not going to share my zits on, <laughs> on, on Twitter. I'm not going to do that. So, um, I, and some guy wrote back, nice gams. <sighs> And I was oh like, gams are lead. I like, know. What are you doing, Creeper? <laughs> are you trying to insinuate that you're following me around Target? Like, what is wrong oh with my people? God. Stop it. Stop it. Oh stop doing God. that. So anyway, um, my my parting advice for people, stop being gross to women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just, you know, if a woman wants your package, she'll tell you. You know? <laughs> yes, you we're, we're, we're pretty clear about that. <laughs> you don't want the dick pics. We don't no. need your advice. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That brings what? me, I just want to quickly go over the fact that, first of all, it wasn't you who they spoke to, but you did write the Hill Report, uh, Hill Reporter article about Rob Anderson, and it was funny. I did. I got to tell you, though, I had, I was going to go over to my mom's because she had hip surgery, right? So I had to pre-record shows um, what, so that I could take care of her and have those shows that I could put up while I was, you know, she, she was healing. So the mm -hmm. first person that I recorded a show with that one of those pre-records was fucking Rob Anderson. Oh. So now he had been on my show twice before. And mm -hmm. so I'm sitting there and I don't know exactly the day. Right. But I had recorded the show. I think it was maybe Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. The whole thing goes down. And I saw your tweet because I think uh -huh. you read, you quote tweeted the, what was her name? Ginger or redheaded something. I can't remember. Oh the, yeah. 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 Um, the, the one, uh... the woman who, who, other women went to and said, Hey, Rob sent me these pictures. Right. And so, um, and, and you had retweeted it. And I remember I was sitting there, it was at nighttime and I'm thinking, and I just fucking, I had just done a show with him and I was saving yeah. it, but I thought, no, no. <laughs> and, um, and I'm like, this can't. And so I waited, I didn't retweet or get involved or anything. I just thought, mm -hmm. let me see before anything happens. Let me see what he's going to say about it. But it was like, so fucking damning, especially the one when he's in the bathroom, where you know, uh, and, and again, I don't care if he wants to send dick pics to people who want them. I really don't right. care if you if this is all, uh, you know, you want the dick pics and everybody wants the the naughty parts pictures. Do it. I don't care. But when you are a candidate, right. I don't care what the situation is. That's just stupid because it's it can totally stupid. Yeah, it's just stupid. Even if it's consensual, it's stupid. This was right. not consensual, and it was clear because the stories started to fall apart but I gotta say I gotta say I really enjoyed your article it was extremely well written but Thank it, you. it was um 
you know, I mean, it was it was just ridiculous what went down. And he's trying to blame the fact that he was not sh- understanding social cues on d- did he have Asperger's? I think that's what he has. It's alter- well, and we don't really know. Right. Well, because- he did. I will say I had I looked it up and he had mm-hmm. done an interview I think in 2018 or it was either before before his 2020 run or his 2018 run talking about this, Um, Uh you know, so it had been on record that he has Asperger's. And but the fact here's not an excuse. It's not an excuse, especially because here's the deal. Um, He and I had. I had interviewed him, I'm sure it was 2018 when he first was running, and Mm -hmm. he was all impressed with me, and he's like, oh, you're a great podcaster host, and this and that, and so um, he understood that I could help him, because he could be on my show, and he could grow his Twitter following, so he he never, ever, ever told me about his fucking muse <laughs> you know yeah that no. he was telling about he never tried a thing no. with me ever no he, he knew never inappropriate with me yeah you so. had uh, a certain amount of power and he recognized mm. that and he wanted you on his side oh, just sure. as he wanted me on his side because if we promoted him he could grow his twitter and that's what he was looking for and he was looking to make money off of it and he was doing a podcast and all this stuff so it's like right. he did understand social cues very 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 well oh, very well yeah. He understood how to manipulate mm-hmm. and all of those things. And he, I think he, um, he fine tuned his approach depending on who the person yes. was. Yeah. And that's what predators do is they individualize their approaches so that mm-hmm. not everybody can say the exact same thing Yeah, and different towards men that he was towards women. And um, I don't know if it's, that he saw me as a – I'm not a journalist. I don't have a degree in journalism. I am a contributor to Hill Reporter. I right. don't know if he saw me in that capacity or if he found well, you're me an influencer. You're or an whatever, influencer. Whatever. I'm just glad he never tried it with me. Well, I think he did it because he recognized you, could, you had a platform and yeah. you could help him grow. And so he, he was mainly, from my understanding, concentrating on the young girls. Yeah, you know, those are the girls he felt he could because they'll believe it. They don't have younger women don't have the same life experience, and Mm -hmm. that's why older men prey on younger women because they'll believe all of that bullshit. Why does Dennis Quaid, who's sixty three, have a twenty six year old girlfriend? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. women his own age are too smart for him. They won't buy his bullshit. Exactly. Exactly. That's what it is. We get too smart for 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 women are just so more highly evolved, and we can see through all of these. It it may take us a little bit, but we eventually figure out Mm -hmm. what you are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then you're done yeah and you know it's my job to present facts we found the facts about rob Mm -hmm. we gave rob ample time to Mm -hmm. respond and he did but the way he responded was dumb made him look worse yeah so you know you do this to yourself and if you're doing something shady it will catch up to you especially if you leave a you know, some digital breadcrumbs like he did. Yeah, with your so, fucking face. The thing is, is he's in his bathroom in a shitty fucking bath. One of oh, them. He my had. He, God. You know, Nobody he, wants to see your toilet. <laughs> no, Nobody. and he, you could see the toilet in one of them. That one, he was wearing jeans. But there was another one where he was completely naked and he was standing in front of the towel rack. And it was Ugh. like, oh my God, dude. No, it was so no. fucking bad. It was so fucking bad. All and it of was the like, no. <laughs> Gentlemen, please listen to the voices of these women. Don't. If we ask, then fine. Yeah. But I'm never going to, I personally am never going to ask. That's just me. No. But 
I'm sure there are still women who have an active libido. Right. Who enjoy. <laughs> but me? you know what? I have to say, no. even, even when I was younger, I mean, I, I still, I out. have, I have, but it, well, I will say too, my boyfriend, thankfully, never did that. He never, ever sent me any dick pics. And I'm so grateful because that would have soured. Yeah, I would have, so- I've been, I would have <laughs> been soured. grown up. Right. Well, and he understands. And the thing is, is we did meet. It's funny. We met on social media. And, right. um, and eventually we met in person but first we knew each other over social media and after we met in person it took a while before we started dating but then you know people who are dating people who are having um you know kind of flirtatious relationships will often send each other pictures he never ever ever did and I was really fucking grateful because other men have and men who yeah men who I was interested in and actually having sexual relationships with sent me their dick pictures and I I didn't say anything because I didn't want to hurt their feelings but it's like I don't fucking need this shit women are different women are different we don't look at a dick and get we don't get we just don't feel it from I know men have a different I don't know what the word is but they're triggered or whatever the visual gets them and the visual gets me but it's like i'm much more happy to see a certain kind of a forearm or a chest that i like looking at i i i happen to roll a little old school or i used to where i'd like that to be a mystery i'd like to discover that for myself (laughs) yeah well yeah but i mean if i'm gonna look at a body that i'm gonna be focused not on the penis i'm gonna be focused on the chest it's or on forearms that's what i like I like if I'm for me really it's first about the face always yes. yeah yeah because I can I mean your body could be chiseled but if it's right. the face is off I'm, the other thing is you could also be sculpted by God perfection George mm-hmm. Clooney mm-hmm. but if you're not funny you right. might as well be Ernest Borgnine so <laughs> like so for and for me it was it's the combination of I want cute and funny yeah if i can get cute and funny then you can work with everything else but at right. this point in my life now i'm like oh i don't want to deal with somebody's body yeah. stuff and sharing a bathroom with so i'm very set in my <laughs> ways now i have been living alone for a very long time i literally cannot remember the last time i shared a bed with anyone yeah. and I, except my cats and i'm fine with that yeah like i i sleep better alone i live better alone even if i even if some miracle occurs and a person exists out there who would want to put up with all of this, and mm-hmm. I am a lot, I recognize <laughs> that I'm a lot. I'm not a lot on purpose, though. Right. Like my ex-boyfriend, who is the sweetest person <laughs> on the planet, and we're still friends, um, he used to call me his little handful. <laughs> I, I don't do it on purpose. Yeah. You know, I don't mean to be. I just it's whoops. Um, <laughs> so. You know, it's just, and my life is just this weird, like where weird things keep happening, and I, I keep getting like almost to the place I want to get, and then something always happens. Like I had a podcast, mm-hmm. I had a podcast back in 2018, and it was great. I got to interview a lot of famous people. I interviewed Michael Avenatti wow. when people still wanted to hear from him. Yeah, and a lot of great. I interviewed Nancy Pelosi, wow. which was amazing. Yeah, I got her for 20 minutes, hmm. and I asked her. The first thing I asked her, because that was the week she was on finally on the cover of Time Magazine, yeah. finally, and I was like, you just turned 80. You look better than people half your age, and yeah. you have more energy than anybody. I'm going to ask you something I've never heard anybody ask you. What's your top beauty secret? Yeah. Because no one asks her. Right. And I'm thinking she's going to say, you know, I inject myself with calf <laughs> lipids. What is she going to say? Or I bathe in La Mer. I right. don't know. She didn't miss a beat, Kim. It was like she was expecting me to ask her. Yeah. I say, what's your number one beauty secret? She goes, 
dark chocolate ice cream. I was like, really? She said, Tara, dark chocolate ice cream for breakfast. For breakfast. And I said, you are my Shiro. What's so, so funny, I met her too. Uh, she's incredible. When she's in, I, you know, she she's, doesn't uh, take any shit. She That's doesn't, and she's prepared. Her. You know, my, my uh, Bob and I are both with the Sexy Miller, Sexy Miller, yeah. Stephanie Miller, podca- Sexy Liberal love. Podcast Network. So, Mad love. Yes, and so often Bob is, whenever there is an actually live show, This we were living in California, Northern California at the time, and the show was in San Francisco. Bob and I were living in Santa Rosa, and it was so funny because now he was asked to just go out and introduce everybody on the show. So I got to go backstage and I wasn't part of the show. I was just kind of like hanging out with everyone. And Nancy was there and she, she was like, she had her people with her and she looks at Bob and she had all these very specific questions as if mm-hmm. it was clear the, the homework had been done. She knew yeah. where he lived and she was asking appropriate questions as if she, you know, had been, uh, somebody had given her information on Bob. And so she's asking Bob those questions and it was amazing. She was right. amazing. She's- just She's amazing. incredible. Yeah. Her daughter has the her daughter Christine has the best quote about Nancy Pelosi, which is my mother can cut your throat and walk away and you won't even know you're bleeding. <laughs> and I she can. Love her. And she's a Baltimore. She's a Baltimore girl, which is I'm originally and my mom were from Baltimore. I mean, I think I told you I moved to Southern California when I was nine because my mother took me there uh, mm-hmm. in 1977. So I was there until um, 2009 actually mm-hmm. and then I moved to Northern California and then my mother decided she was going to come back to Maryland which is where obviously we're originally from because she had owned a condo out in Santa Rosa and it was not entirely paid off and she thought you know what I can sell this I can move to Maryland and I can buy something total and just own it and then I can retire so that's what mm-hmm. she did and I thought well I can't be far from my mother. So now no, I live on the My East mother's Coast. in New York yeah. and I haven't seen my mother in two years. And it's, yes, it's, I mean, I would have seen her sooner except for the pandemic. So right. she's actually coming to visit in a month. That's great. She's coming here. She'll be here in the middle of July. And I am like out of my mind because, you know, to not see, I mean, mm-hmm. with the technology, we're seeing each other, but we're right. not, we're not being to with be able each to other. hug yeah. your mother yes. is, I'm going to cry like a I know. child. It's, when it's I hard. I, because, you know, you just revert mm-hmm. to your old patterns. Totally. And you're, this is my mommy. Uh, yep. um, so, she's always going to be I'm my mommy. <laughs> that, you know, to still have my mother. And so yeah. while I still have my mother, even though she lives 3,000 miles away, yep. it's, you know, we take what we can get. And so now with my with my children, my older son just graduated college. My older, my younger son graduates high school next week, and he's going to college in Walla Walla, Washington in the fall. Hmm. So I'm I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do now mm-hmm. because my my older son would like to go back to Los Angeles where he was going to college mm-hmm. and live there. I want to live in Los Angeles more. I've only wanted to live in Los Angeles my entire Well, just you just life. have to make it happen. You just have to manifest well, that shit. <laughs> I'm trying to manifest it, and I'm at you know like every like my our friend Elgin Charles always says, speak it into existence. Exactly. So I speak yeah. it into existence. I tweet it into existence. I, I, I ask the universe for it, and the universe is like, <laughs> you want what, honey? That's cute. You want a book deal and a movie deal, and you want Dave Grohl to be your friend? Oh, that's cute. Come here. Let me, tap, let me pat you on the head. That's cute. The grown-ups are talking now, honey. We're going to yeah. go take care of the world now. So, like, I can care about 
I can multitask the things that I care about, which is another thing that men don't seem to understand. I can be <laughs> mad about uh, the Republicans trying to rewrite January 6th. Right. I can be mad about that while trying to get an agent at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I can be mad about Marjorie Taylor Greene being obsessed with AOC and also want, you know, climate change. I right. can multitask. I can want lots of things all at once. What I don't want is anyone telling me what to do, right. which is really hard. So, you know, I mean, do I want to go back to the radio? Absolutely. I would kill if I was back on the radio. Do I want my book deal? I think my book would, is amazing. And Rosanna Arquette thinks it's amazing. Yeah. And, Come on, let's just do this. I, you know, I want all of these things and I try every single day. I do. I try every single day and every single day it doesn't happen. So I think, like I was talking about earlier, Pitch Wars is, I think, either tomorrow or Friday. Hmm. And uh, when I, and I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it again. So, and the rules are so dumb. Like you, you're not supposed to like a tweet about the pitch tweets unless you're an agent. And of course, everybody just likes it because of it's course, because yeah, and, <laughs> and you can't explain it. No, you try to say like, here are the rules, and people are like, I'm gonna play like that. Yeah. No, no, you're not an agent. Like last time I tried, I got a hundred likes or something. I was like, yay, and I went through all a hundred. Not a one of them was an agent. I'm like, what do I have to do? Why don't you want my cool Dave Grohl story? <laughs> why? Why? It's good. I'm. You why? It would be so great if you could just like say to an agent, "My book is really good. Can you just read it, please?" And they go, "Yes, I will." I know. Why Wouldn't is that be great? You know, like Wouldn't it's that not be that great? <laughs> Meanwhile, Josh Hawley can get a book deal, right. and Matt Gates can get a book deal, and yeah. Ted Cruz and Mike Pence and John Bolton, they can all get these ghostwriters. Well, just to become a Republican trader, become a famous Republican trader, and a pedophile, and you'll get a book oh, deal too. <laughs> wait, I keep so I'm like. I'm like, hey, Simon and Schuster, I've never committed sedition. I guess you won't publish me. Exactly. Is that what we – and he, I also, for Hill Report, I wrote about the, the RNC republishing, pu publishing racket because these people don't write their own books. We know right, this. Right, exactly. So they, get, yeah. they have these ghostwritten books about bullshit that no one really ever reads, mm -hmm. and then they all get bought up in bulk mm -hmm. by the RNC, so it falsely inflates the mm -hmm. book sales. Then they end up on the bestseller list mm -hmm. falsely. And no one's and reading it. <laughs> then they're given out at conventions and they're given mm -hmm. out as in gift bags mm -hmm. and they end up on shelves collecting dust and no one ever reads them. Mm -hmm. And the money just goes around in circles. And I'm sitting here with what I think is something that's really unique and fun and profitable. And maybe if Dave Grohl found out about it, <laughs> he'd want to direct it. I don't know, but it's good. And why don't you want to give it a chance? Oh, it's because I'm not, you know, a famous seditionist? I'm like, right. what do I have to do? So <sighs> I'm just going to keep being me yeah. and doing what I do because I, I – like people will go on Twitter and come up with a persona mm -hmm. and be that persona. But right. in real life, there's something – this is – I have no filter. This is me all the time. Yeah, me too. This is me online. This is me offline. This is me all the time. That, so, you know, that's another thing. We, it's so funny. I used to sell oil and – I, I sold oil and gasoline, which I'm not proud of, but I needed money, and I was only there for a brief period of time. But that was this whole, I don't know, the, the energy and everything in that business, 
I didn't fit in very well because I also do not have a filter. And it was so funny because I was working with my boss and this other female sales rep and they were joking that I didn't have a filter. And I said, well, I do. It's just in the trunk of my car. (laughs) (laughs) I keep it there with my steel toe boots, which is funny because I was, they always wanted me to wear the steel toe boots and I was always wearing my like open toed shoes, everything you're not supposed to do. I don't like the rules either. I like making my own rules rules. And you know I mean? And that makes it difficult, especially when you're a woman of a certain age and you have a very public persona that is out there uh and and you're profane and you have very specific ideology with politics it does it makes it very difficult but that and that's precisely why i'm doing what i'm doing right now because i'm building this show but the bottom line is is i get to decide everything about it and i don't have to follow anybody's directions because i'm you know i can do it but i don't thrive when I'm right. when I'm under I somebody's it. thumb, no, I thrive I totally on my own. Yeah, I uh, I understand how hard it is, and it's, <laughs> it's one of it. And the, but the the question that I often ask, and no one really seems to like, why does one person get successful, but this person who's right next to them yeah. doesn't? And the other thing that's happening, like people who are on TikTok are getting book deals mm-hmm. for one video going viral, one mm-hmm. video going viral, and so people are saying to me, get on TikTok. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I don't. I'm not right. putting this. I'm, I don't want to be on camera every single day. Me neither. Me neither. Totally. (laughs) No, 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 no. I am a radio person. Oh, you have a face for radio. Fuck you. I'm fine with, (laughs) I am not an unattractive person. I am not the most, you know, I am who I am and this is my face and I'm fine with my face. Well, (laughs) you're 52. There are certain things you may not be fine with and you want a dermatologist. I don't know. But anyway, (laughs) I'm fine with that. I just, I don't want to make my living on camera. I am a voice person. I yeah. want to be a voice actor or on the radio. Mm-hmm. The, another dream besides getting my book published is getting a, a role uh, in an animated series right, or in yeah. a video game someplace. I just, I don't have to put on makeup to go to work. I don't yeah, blame I'm fine you. with working from home. I'm fine with, I'm the happiest when I am behind a microphone yeah. and I'm performing and I'm doing that. That is a glory. I mean, it's just because it comes naturally and yeah. I love uh, you know, obviously we've been talking for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I love talking with people <laughs> Yes. and I, all, we don't get to do that as much now because mm-hmm. we're all online mm-hmm. and the voice, just hearing mm-hmm. a voice is so important and to be able to connect with another human being, you need to have conversations like this. Even mm-hmm. if we weren't being recorded, I would still have this conversation with right, you. So, exactly. Well, that's what I try know, to make my show like a, it's a conversation. A yeah, it's a it conversation. Really and I, I'm, I don't want to be like just the person that asks the questions. I occasionally... I've been fortunate enough to interview some big people too, and I have just done straightforward interviews. But I like having a conversation because it's all, you know, we all can. It's like you're talking about that person-to-person thing. It's voices, it's inflections, it's it's like, oh, me too. Oh, I feel that way too. Oh, yeah. And it, yeah. it's just it's this thing that I enjoy, and I like bringing people together. I like hearing other people's experiences. That when I first started with the Virgin Diaries, and you know, my whole idea, and it was funny talking about manifesting, which I talk about often, and I've been working on deliberate manifestation now for over a year but I had this fleeting thought in my head and I remember it was like in 2008 and I thought boy wouldn't it be cool if I could just like you know have a website and throw out ideas and people could talk about it and I I didn't specify any farther than that I didn't think in terms Mm -hmm. of monetizing it or making money but I just thought wouldn't that be cool and then it was like I think it was around 2010 when I after my book was published and I started a Facebook page and that's exactly what happened Facebook became that website for me to throw out I wasn't making money 
from it, but I also did not manifest making money. I just thought, wouldn't it be great? And then, yeah. you know, and it's like, and then, and then that led to blogging and blogging led to, you know, podcasting and Twitter and all of that. So um, it's just, it's fascinating to me, but I have no doubt that if you just persevere, you'll definitely get whatever it is you're seeking. And um, because you have such a strong and bold personality and you are very good. I mean, I want to, I want to be very clear. You write very well. And, Thank you um, so much. And, and, it means a lot to hear that from another professional writer. Well, and like, but you know, I didn't study writing in school. I, I'm a good writer, yeah. but I'm not. I'm not like you know the best. But you writer are a out there. published yes. author, and yeah. you've had that experience, and you're someone who can say, "I have been that down that road. I understand what you're going through." Yeah, the I fact definitely. That you, you say, "I think you're a great writer." It just means a lot because right. it's important to me. I love writing. I've always been a writer. I was a writer before I was someone who thought I could use my voice to make money. I've written things since I could hold a pencil. So hmm. it's um, words are my livelihood mm -hmm. because as a writer and then as a performer. Mm -hmm. So it's all right. about the exactly. words yeah. and they matter mm -hmm. so much to me. And sometimes even if I misuse them or I get in trouble because of them, um, there's a, a, a meme that I sometimes use as my header where it says, I've got a good heart but this mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, you know, if I, if I get into troubles because I've tripped over my own passion yeah. and I've just kind of let it get ahead of me or get in my, get, right. I've gotten in my own way and I've tripped myself up. And sometimes I've turned people off by being what they deem is too aggressive where yeah. for me, it's like, well, I, I may be pushing, but it's cause I'm, I'm pushing cause I care. That's how I feel so very much. I know. And, and when I, you're a woman, you also get that, um, negative reaction. If right. you dare, too hard yeah. or if you just dare off. to speak truth to power people, right. you know, the thing is, is we get the, the angry feminist thing comes to mind. Fuck. Yeah. I'm angry. I'm sick yeah. and tired of people, women and men telling me what I can do with my body. And I'm sick and tired of people just yeah. saying men don't have any say women have are just as horrible. Look at fucking Sydney Powell. Look at Marjorie Jesus Taylor Greene. Yeah. So it's I like mean, those women are going to tell me what to do with my body too. No. So it's like, no. And I no. will, I like to get in your face. I fucking love Twitter because you can, you have to be careful because you can get in trouble, but right. you can literally, it's like the idea. I think that I would be softer too. As you say, if, if I met somebody like Ted Cruz in person, I probably wouldn't scream. Ted Cruz has no balls in his, to his face, probably not. <laughs> but, but I would certainly, I think about that though. I think about, you know, cause you always see those videos where like there's, there's a, Ted Cruz is on a plane and somebody confronts right. him. Like, what would you do? Yeah. What would you do? Yeah. What would you do if you walked in someplace and Jim Jordan was there? Like, yeah. what would you do? Yeah. So I, I think about that a lot. I mean, that's why sometimes I call the offices. I called right. Marjorie Taylor yes. Greene's office last week and I actually talked to the two different lackeys who answer mm -hmm. her phone. And they are awful. Mm -hmm. They are I'm sure awful, they are. terrible yeah. people. Um, they don't. They certainly don't listen and they talk over you and they yeah. just spew whatever shit she spews. Yeah. Sometimes I can't take it. Sometimes right. because they never answer you on Twitter. Yeah. I've never, I have never gotten a response from a politician, from a Republican me politician neither. on yeah, Twitter. Me neither. One time I did. Doug Collins. Hmm. Remember Doug Collins? Yes. He, he won't talk like this. He talked like this all the time. He goes, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Uh, fucking crybaby. Yeah. He quote tweeted one of my tweets. Of something about did. liberals or whatever. And I was yeah. like, really? You're going to try it with me, Doug Collins? And I fucking <laughs> ended him. I was just like, you're dumb by but then, then, then there's all the people who have blocked me. I yeah. mean, I have, I have a bit, you know, you and I have been blocked by many of the same people. I haven't, the only Trump that blocked me was Eric, 
but oh, I, I got I got see, Pierce. I got the quadfecta. See, I didn't oh. I didn't get that. I, I mean, tried so hard. I I also really want Megan McCain to block me, and I want um Kevin Sorbo to block me. I think yeah, they Kevin might Sorbo, have. He might I feel have like muted. They muted. Yeah, I, I think, think he's we're muted. muted. <laughs> Megan has not blocked. I finally got the Giuliani block a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that congratulations one. on I, that. <laughs> yeah, well, I found out the key to getting Rudy Giuliani to block you is to respond to one of his tweets by saying you're a Russian bot. Okay, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Because he doesn't like that. So, I mean, Republicans don't like it when you tell them the truth about themselves. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene blocked me on her She blocked me too. Me too. But then Midas Touch Touch sued her, and then she unblocked everybody. Oh, wow. Oh, wait. No, let me take it back. No, Marjorie Greene did not. It was the other. What's the other girl? Robert. Bobert, Lauren Bobert. I said yeah, no, Tara, but I meant Lauren. Yeah, no, I'm still blocked by Bobert on her personal. Yeah, I'm yeah. still blocked, and I Me shouldn't too. be, but I am. I am. And, uh, I mean, I'm blocked by... Everyone's blocked by Jason Miller and Seb Gorka and Scott Baio. Seb Gorka. You know what? Somebody the- told me that if you called Seb Gorka a Nazi, he'd block you. So I called him a Nazi and he blocked me. <laughs> See, that's so easy. I know. Those are the easier blocks. The tougher ones to get are like, I got Paul Gosar. Oh, right, and yeah. I got Mike Flynn before he got... Oh, wow. Yeah, I had a Mike Flynn block before she got booted. I got Sidney Powell before she got booted. I have a Jenna Ellis block. That's awesome. I got I got Lynn Wood before he got booted. Oh, wow. I got all the terrible ones. Right. So, but the the point is like they're gonna whine about cancel culture exactly. when they're insta blocking anybody who says boo. So I fuck know. you. I know. Um. So, <laughs> but when when it's women speaking uh-huh. and men don't like it, it means we need to speak louder. Yeah. That's what it means. That's what it and means. And you're not gonna silence us. And I am still going to, you know, do what I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm still going to be me. If a radio station doesn't like that because they're scared mm-hmm. that it's too controversial, then they're not doing the radio station right because they should want somebody who brings controversy because exactly. that brings an audience. Duh. Well, that, that, that's like in, in Indianapolis, I think, uh, the chicks on the right. They, they are known as the chicks on the right, but I believe they were also midday. I think they started off in, in the morning. But they mm-hmm. wanted midday because of their families or something. But they were straight right. up. It's, an, it's and, much you know. easier to have uh, yeah. if you're a mother. Right. That's why midday was perfect for me when I was on there. My kids were yeah. little at that time. Right. But, I mean, I don't even want to do a, a talk show. I want to go on the air and play music. Right. I want to go back to music radio. Mm-hmm. I want to listen to records with my audience again. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we did. That's what I did for five years. And that was the approach that the radio station I worked. I worked on an alternative radio station. And my boss said, I want you to imagine that you were sitting in a bar talking about your favorite music mm-hmm. that's yeah. what i want to hear wow that's what i want to hear i want to hear how you saw radiohead and i want to hear how you <laughs> went to this concert and i want to yeah. hear about that time you met so and so i want to hear it not just here's this song and now is that song because you can do that with radio and that's fine but people want to hear your humanity so that's why i can say yeah there was that time i saw radiohead at the 40 watt club in athens you know mm-hmm. like i can say stuff like that because i did so right. like i know what i'm good at and if other people can't, like people who have money can't recognize that, I have to figure out a way to let other people know right. what I'm good at. So <laughs> I'll keep doing that until yeah. someone with money says, hey, you're good at that. Let me give you some <laughs> money for doing it. That's, you know. Yeah. So like, well, I'm, I'm super grateful for Brett Gilman at Hill Reporter for recognizing not just the connectivity, but the talent so that I could combine those two mm-hmm. and and write about politics but I don't only want to write about politics. Mm-hmm. There's more in my life. And to get acknowledgement for that would be lovely. Mm-hmm. 
But if I'm only going to get acknowledgement for being, a, a you know, mouthy about politics, then okay, fine. Like right. I always say, you can take the girl out of New Jersey, <laughs> but she's still going to accidentally piss people off wherever she goes. <laughs> and, you know, like I'll be, I, I am, will intentionally, like, I, I think that normally I'm kind of a sweetheart, actually, because <laughs> uh, I, I love all the people you're supposed to love, and I'm supportive yeah. of all of the good things you're supposed to be supportive of, and I don't like the things that we're not supposed to like. So, like, I feel like I'm a good person, so... <laughs> You know, like if I don't, I don't um, do things to stir up shit. Like I don't mm -hmm. go out and start something. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna start something out of nothing. Yeah. But if something's going on, I'll react to it and yeah. impart my own take on it because that's what Twitter does. So my favorite is when like a troll will come at and like, who cares what you think? Well, first of all, you do because you're <laughs> <know>. responding. <laughs> Secondly, right now about seventy-two and a half thousand people care right. because they're following me. So that means something. And if you don't care, you don't have to tell me you don't care. Yeah. You can just you can just keep scrolling. Yes. Like you're not required. There's to plenty respond. of times that I just scroll on by when I don't care. <laughs> so much. I mean, there are times where I'm literally responding to somebody. I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I? Why am I just to buy? I don't need you. <laughs> and the other thing is, a lot of the time, you can you can save yourself so much frustration and heartache and energy yes. and a aggravation. Just look at the account that is exactly before exactly. you respond. Take that moment. There are ways to figure. First of all, if it doesn't have a photo and it's just that like generic Twitter shape, you know what I'm talking about? Right, the egg the, or whatever. Yeah, the, it's not the, the egg, egg anymore, but yeah, don't I know respond. What you mean. Yeah, don't. And if it's a member of the bunch of numbers family, you know, right. it's like eight numbers. Joe eight seven yes. three four one two five. Mm -hmm. Don't. And if it's Michael Petrie at 2020, shut this, stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Come on, stop it. Go look at their bio. And if it says joined 2008 and they have 12 followers, right. that's an old account somebody bought and it's fake. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I feel like maybe I need to write a commentary on Hill. Yeah, Reporters. you should. I think How you should. The bots. Yeah. Because I think, you know, I mean, in some cases, I totally get where you can make an example out of what a bot yes. says and not necessarily take them serious, seriously as a person, but say, okay, here is the, you know, because what happens, especially in, I think, in the right-wing world, is that you might have these bots saying things and they may just be bullshitters, but then real people pick up on that. Exactly. So the whole point of bots is to get real people sucked in and believe the bullshit propaganda that's out there. Exactly. So, yeah, and so that's when you screenshot it and yes. you make the example rather than exactly yes responding to the exact account because if you, if you respond directly, that signals the other bots to mm -hmm. come for you. Yes. So you learn the hard way. So please, yeah. people, learn from our wisdom. But they won't. Learn they won't. from us. <laughs> I'll just say they won't. Oh, my God, today. So, so many times I'll see somebody respond to something that I've already, like, I've already blocked the person because it's such an obvious troll account. Right, and they keep going. I'll be like, please, just don't talk to the fake, fake accounts. Yeah. Don't talk to them. I know. And, and, the, and then there's there to trigger you. Don't they're there them. to trigger you. And then there's the people like this morning. And I know we're going to wrap this up in a minute. But mm -hmm. this morning I was just I'm obviously with the Mike Flynn thing and Trump saying August he's going to be reinstated. They're planning. <laughs> they're, they're planning something. I don't know what this is going to be, but yeah. it's going to be insurrection part two and yeah. we can expect more violence and everybody keeps going oh they're just grifting and it's like okay yes they're grifting but they're also they also understand their base is itching to 
get violent. They've got Again, guns. Yeah, they want keeping them violence. At that, they're keeping them at that state of constant anger. Crazy. Yeah, anger yes, and crazy. And that's that cycle that they that everybody really was living on. Yes, when Trump was still able to tweet, and yes. it was his temperament that set the tone for the country. Every single day, and we all woke up going, oh, what did he do now? Yeah, and well, and- now, and we have to take them seriously. We have to look at what they're doing. We cannot ignore him because he is a threat to democracy. The GOP Especially is when a threat. they're calling for a coup, like in yes. Myanmar. Like, do you not understand what that means? Yeah, and then and then you have people who are like real people, not bots, going, it's just a grift. It's like, no, take it fucking seriously. The Nazis failed. And yes, it's a grift it's and. and it's dangerous. Yes, it's a grift and they're undermining our democracy. Yes, it's a grift and they're trying to do away with voting rights so that they can steal mm-hmm. future elections. It's a lot of things all at once. And the biggest problem is that as a Democrat, I don't like to criticize other Democrats, but the Democrats are not doing enough. No, they're not. To I mean, we have. The Senate and the House and the and the White House and the Republicans are still controlling things. Get they don't want a January 6th commission because they're all fucking guilty. Democrats need to form a January 6th commission and subpoena all 175 of those traitors. Mm -hmm. And they will have to come and appear as defendants now. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, you get arrested for not showing up for a congressional subpoena. Like fucking do something now. It is time to stop screwing around. You don't have to be nice to seditious traitors. You know, when people are like, you shouldn't swear so much. Fuck you, man. I do not have to be nice to a traitor. I do not have to be nice to a seditionist. I don't think there is anything lower than being a traitor to your country. There really isn't. So if you think it would be great to secede from the United States or stage a coup or you think it's better in Russia or it's better in Israel, Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz – How is Lindsey Graham going to Israel on Memorial Day okay? It's not. It is not okay like it wasn't okay for Rand Paul to go to Moscow on July 4th in 2018. None of this is okay. And the Democrats are tweeting it's not okay, but they're not doing anything Mm -hmm. to show it's not Mm -hmm. okay. I want to see Eric Swalwell put together a Democratic January 6th commission, fuck what the Republicans want, and – just do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do the things we elected you to do. Mm-hmm. And if the Republicans are going to kick and fuss and whine, fuck them. Matt yeah. Gates belongs in prison right now. Yes, Marjorie he does. Taylor Green, Lauren Boebert, Madison Cawthorn, all of them, all of them belong in prison for January 6th. It's incredibly frustrating to see them not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And what can we do? Except yell and scream into Twitter. Right, exactly. Or, yeah, or call them or whatever. Know, yeah. Or call them or whatever. And so maybe, maybe someday, like one of the things I fantasize about is going to D.C. and setting up a bunch of inter- you know appointments. Mm-hmm. Not just with Democrats, but with Republicans also. You're like, yeah. once they lift all of the restrictions, getting to do that. Because if they don't answer your phone calls and they don't respond to your tweets, if you can go to them in person, if they can look Gladys Sicknick in the face and say, right, we, don't, exactly. we don't care about yeah. January 6th, yeah. they can do that. Like, wh- what does it matter what we say? Right. What does it matter what we do? Like, I could go, I could go and try to get a sit down with every Republican who's blocked me with Paul Gosar and Marjorie and, mm-hmm. and Lauren Boebert. And I can try to talk. And they don't want to hear what we have to mm-hmm. say and they don't want to listen. No. So the Democrats need to take, take control and say, mm-hmm. we don't care if you don't want to hear it. You're going to fucking hear it. Yeah. That's what the Democrats need to do. And I know that they're capable. Right. 
They just need to fucking do it. So yeah, we just got it. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll. Hopefully, uh, we'll find the Democratic Party will find that strategy in time, and oh you know, before the midterms. Exactly. Before. So there's there's so much at stake right now. So I hope they can. But I know. Well, we were originally going to do like an hour. Now we're at like an <laughs> hour forty, <laughs> which Good is not entire. It's yeah. not entire. I'm not. I'm not editing a thing. Oh um, boy. Well, sorry, audience. <laughs> um, I just no, like. No, to no one's asked me questions in a long time, and I live alone, so you get me talking, I'm just not going to stop. Well, the next time you come back, we will talk maybe about politics or something, and uh, we'll, get, we'll get more into politics. But it was totally fascinating listening to you, and like I said, there's a lot of parallels that I ex- yeah. you know, see in your life I'm that I've so experienced. I'm so glad we did this, because, yeah, this was fun. again, connecting this way yes. is, it matters, and it's meaningful, yes. and it's one that, you know, like, now we have this. Right. And we'll always have this connection. Exactly. Because we heard each other. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It's like, yes. And the next time I come to Los Angeles, you and I are getting together. No, no, no. I live in DC. I live in DC now. So you live in DC now? Yeah. yeah, I live in DC. I moved out here. Well, then I'm just going to have to come there for another reason. (laughs) Yes. I wish I kind of wish right now I was in LA because it's summer and I fucking hate DC summers, but I I do, I do like the fall and the winter here. So I don't complain about it. All I want time. in this world, and I know it's maybe it sounds like a lot to ask for. I just want, love a really nice beach house yeah. near Venice. That's what my my near mom Venice likes beach, beach house. Yeah. Venice Beach, Santa Monica. That's yeah. my favorite, favorite, favorite. That's the place uh, to be. <laughs> well, okay, all right. So before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at Tara Dublin Rocks. I also have an Instagram at Tara Dublin Rocks. I don't Instagram as much as I Twitter. And uh, my pinned tweet on Twitter is the Dave Grohl story where it, can, it uh, links to my medium. I'm really just focused on Twitter right now. I don't have my own website, but if I do, I will let everybody know. <laughs> and you're Tara, T-A-R-A, Tara Dublin Rocks. That's at Tara <laughs> Dublin Rocks. So. R-O-C-K-S. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I am going to put that link in the Patreon description of the show. You can find me on Twitter at Author Kimberly, and that's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. And then, of course, my books are on Amazon. And once again, Tara, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to come back. All right. Well, we will talk soon. <laughs> <laughs>